0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I think we're in week four of our uh, series, Wisdom is the Principal Thing. It's an exciting series. And uh, um, I'm enjoying studying it. I'm enjoying teaching it. And uh, we're just very uh, timely. i have been getting a lot of feedback also, too, that this is very timely, too. Not just what people are going through, although it could be true, but also the day and age we live in. We need wisdom and yeah, wisdom is a visible thing. Uh, just before I get in there, uh, we do have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. If uh, uh, you already got it, and, uh, that group is growing on uh, Sunday night, so we invite you to come uh, if you can, if you're in the area. Also, I, I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to make a, another little uh, advertisement out there. We are looking to upgrade our whole live streaming department. about a camera, uh, computer. When uh, we, have, we, uh, we did a fundraiser uh, back in uh, December, November-ish uh, in that uh, window. Uh, we have the funds for the camera, we, uh, we have, uh, we're going to get one camera and then we chose another one. Um, anyway, long story short, is we uh, have the funds to get the camera and all the accessories for the camera, but we uh, also found in this process that we need a new computer too. Uh, we need a better computer for that to, to handle this as well as some accessories to go with that. So we're going to kind of do a second phase on this. I just put a fundraiser on Facebook yesterday, Uh, but we are needing about probably about less than 3,000, but 3,000 we'll cover, make sure that we get everything we need for the computer and other accessories that go with with that too, so we can finalize this. We're also working on a new website that should be up and running in in a week or two. I know I keep saying that, but we came very close to the finishing. Uh, and So anyway, we're, uh, it's going to be a whole new package, we will have a whole new domain, all of our domains will stream to the same domain name, so don't get confused by that right now. But anyway, we have a lot of new things coming up, especially for those of you listening on Facebook or uh, Internet, and we're going to be, there's a lot more coming up. But we do need a few more funds, I don't normally advertise this, especially on Facebook, live, but also we do need to work fun. So if you are interested, or you would like to partner with us in that, we would appreciate that—not just for us, but for you, and for those who we're trying to reach through social media and whatnot. And so you can go to our website, gaymemberministries.org. Go to the partner page, and you can donate there. I don't always make the advertisements, but uh, we are 501c3. Uh, you can get a tax deduction for that donation. You are a church. And so, anyway, um, nothing said on that, but we are looking to get more funds on that. We are going forward regardless. Uh, God's put on our heart. He, he, he will fulfill the desires of our heart, but we just want to give you an opportunity to partner with us with that. Enough advertisements. Let's get back to the message of wisdom is the principal thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, uh, we've been, actually, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the source of wisdom. And in that, uh, I proposed four questions last week, and I didn't get quite a chance to finish, but I'm hoping to finish most of that this week. Uh, this week, But here are the four questions that we're talking, we, were, we began to discuss last week, as we talked talk about wisdom being the principal thing. First of all, we asked the question, where is wisdom found? And what is wisdom? Where is wisdom found, number one? And two, what is wisdom? Number three is, and we're going to uh, discuss that more thoroughly today, And finish that is, how do I get wisdom? Once we know what it is and where it's found, we also need to know how do we get that wisdom, excuse me. But then fourth, uh, or I hope we spend more time today on, is how do I retain that wisdom? And we'll explain more about that in a few moments. Uh, But I didn't get quite quite a chance to finish last week, so I want to just go backwards just a little bit to last week's message. Uh, towards the tail end, and hopefully wrap some of that up. So, turn with me in the Bibles real quick to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And we'll start with verse 10, just kind of kick it off this morning. <coughs> excuse me. So, everyone good? We're all right? Okay, all right. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, <coughs> uh, uh, Excuse me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in just a few minutes when we get to how do we retain the wisdom of God. But, uh, you know, this whole concept of the, uh, the fear of the Lord is very, I don't think it's taught much today. And I also don't think, and actually I think a lot of people recoil uh, refrain from teaching us or embracing the fear of the Lord, and I'll get into some of that in just a few moments. But when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about a wholesome fear. We're talking about a respect, an honor of God. We're talking about being in awe of God. We're talking about also, forsaking sin and whatnot. And we'll get into that a little bit in, in a few moments. But we're talking about a wholesome fear for God, uh, and which is the way I like to talk about it is a reverential fear, a respect and honor for God. We'll get into some of that in just a moment. But let me just give you some other uh, verses that I want to spring this off. It's Proverbs 1 7. We're not going to turn there right now, but it talks about the wisdom of God is the beginning of knowledge. Also, 1 Corinthians one thirty, Paul says God has made Jesus, which we know as the Word, wisdom unto us. And he says in Colossians 2.3 that all the all uh, all uh, all the hidden wisdom and treasure is found in Jesus. Hopefully, I'm able to tie this together in just a few moments for you. But when we're talking about the wisdom of God, because we talked about this in weeks past, that Jesus, the message of the cross, is the wisdom of God. It is the power of God. And not only do we want to respect Jesus, who is also the word, and we also have talked in weeks past how Jesus is the is the his word is the wisdom of God. We want to, when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we want to respect and honor God. We want to respect and honor Jesus. We want to respect and honor the message of the cross. We want to respect it. Yes, we don't, we don't, we're not fearing God as if he's going to condemn us. No, he already condemned Jesus for us. But we want to respect that. If Jesus paid for our sin so that we can be reconciled to God, and be in right relationship with God, why would we, who have received such a great salvation, want to violate His precepts? Want to disrespect God and His precepts and His laws and His His ordinances? Our new nature doesn't want to do that. Our old nature does. The lust of the flesh does. But we have crucified the old man in Christ. And we have put on the new man in Christ Jesus. And the wisdom of God is not just embracing God, but we're going to see this in a moment in, in Job twenty-eight twenty-eight. The wisdom of God is also forsaking sin. Why? Because I mean, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. We're going to see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is wisdom not just to to uh, to learn how to live God, uh, learn how to live wisely as far as, and it's not just an intellect. We're going to see this. It's going to come. With the wisdom of God is about a relationship with God. And how does relationship with God... Anytime you have a relationship with somebody... I'm getting a little ahead of myself with my notes. But in, when you have a relationship with someone, you don't want to displease that person. You don't want to offend that person. You're already together. You're already united. But you don't want to offend them. I'm not talking about losing our relationship with God as far as our, our salvation... But why would we want to, you know, uh, just go on with the Ten Commandments? If we are in right relationship with God, why would we want to murder? Why would we want to commit adultery? Why would we want to covet and steal and lie? Why would we not want to put God first and foremost in our lives? Why would we want to disobey and to to revolt against God if we're in right relationship with Him? Does that make sense? I'm going to get into some of that in a few moments, but that's not the whole scope of what I'm talking about. Under the fear of the Lord and forsaking sin. When I talk about forsaking sin, I'm talking about forsaking the nature of sin. We don't we We need to stop thinking naturally. To be the word sin in the book of Romans is a noun. It's not a verb. Twice is a verb, but all the other all the other 45 times it's a noun. It's talking about our sin nature. We need to stop thinking naturally. And we need to start thinking supernaturally. We need to start thinking as a child of God. As married to Christ. We need to, so many times we we are born again, but we act as if we're not. We make decisions. And we function in life as if we're not. That's also sin. To to know to do good and don't do it is sin. I want to pray. I want to seek the Lord. I want to do good to my neighbor and my brother and sister in Christ. Why? Because that's who I am. My natural man may not want to, but the spirit of God in me always wants to respect and honor and cherish one another. That is the body of Christ. That is the nature of God. God has never turned his back on anyone, and so neither should I. True, you real quick, uh, I want to go on, uh, uh, switch gears here a little bit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, but we're still addressing um, the question is how do we get the wisdom of God and second Corinthians chapter I'm sorry second Timothy chapter 3 we'll pick it up verse 12 I think I kind of ended here last week I don't think I finished this um, I just want to cover this quickly because I want to move on to new territory but we'll pick it up verse 12. Paul says, (coughs) excuse me, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, that's key right there, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Do you, as a child of God, do you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? I'm not talking about persecution. I know that's what he mentions at the telling of this verse. And I've taught this from from another perspective before. But all of desire to live godly. We shouldn't desire to live godly if we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. In these last days, Paul said it many times. He said it here. Jesus said it many times. That evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving. That's the number one MO of the evil one of, of, of Satan is to deceive. Deceiving and being deceived. But you, verse 14, must continue. Again, Paul is teaching young Timothy, a young apprentice, a young pastor. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15. And from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise... For, or as the King James says, unto salvation. The Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. That's key. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I uh, Hopefully you're getting at least the, 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 what I'm trying to get out of verse 15. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the Word of God, is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith. We're going to come back to that faith as we get back... Later on in our message today, we get this far, which is in Christ Jesus. And this, ver- this, the next two verses, we quote all the time. But all Scripture and all means all. all all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped. For every good work. There's a lot Paul is saying in this passage of scripture. You have heard me taught in the past at, at length with these last two verses that I believe that all scripture is profitable for doctrine and righteousness, for reproof and righteousness, for correction and righteousness, for instruction in righteousness, so that we may be equipped for every good work. We need to be equipped. My part of my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the Word of God will make you wise unto salvation so that you can be indoctrinated, reproved, corrected, and trained in righteousness so that you might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you are not, in other words, if you are not indoctrinated in righteousness, then you are not thoroughly equipped. If you are not reproved in righteousness, you are not thoroughly equipped. If you are not corrected, if you are not disciplined in righteousness, you are not thoroughly equipped. Okay? And in context, he's, talk, he's talking about in these last days, he's talking to a young pastor, he's talking to a young minister, he's talking to someone who is saved, who does have a knowledge of the truth, from childhood till now, he's studied the scriptures. Some of you have grown up in church, you've studied the scriptures since childhood. But he's saying in these last days, and now 2,000 years later, but this was 2,000 years ago almost, to Timothy, now here we are, He's saying, he said to that, and, 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 hopefully, I need to slow down. He's saying that to Timothy that in these last days, lawlessness will, lawlessness will increase, impostors, evil men will increase, deceiving men being deceived. That was 2,000 years ago. It's happened even more today, or if not in the same context. I mean, you just look on the news, you see our society being corrupt. Is there not evilness? Is there not lawlessness? Is there not imposters? Is there not persecutions and, 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 uh, and all kinds of deception going on in the world today? And even in the church today? <coughs> and in that context, he's telling them verse 14, but you must continue in the days which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. <coughs> There's a lot here, I hope I'm Conveying what I'm trying to 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 say excuse me, i just got the stickle in my throat. But uh <coughs> excuse me. Oh Am I making making sense so far? Yes. Excuse me, I just want to get rid of the stickle in my throat. But as we're talking about the wisdom of God, in verse 16, Paul, lists is four categories. I've already mentioned them, I've found them in my faith in the past. But four categories of, I believe, of the scriptures making us wise unto salvation. He, he makes that statement in verse 15, that all that scriptures are make, able to make us wise unto salvation. And then in verse 16, he gives us four categories of these, of these scriptures that are able to make us wise unto salvation. Training us in righteousness, being trained—in other words, let me make this statement: being trained in righteousness is being trained is being wise unto salvation. When you understand righteousness, you are being wise unto salvation, and you will be equipped and fully furnished for every good work. In other words, if you don't have these four categories, scriptures will operate in these four categories. And if these four categories are not operating in your lives, you're not being equipped and complete for every good work. You might be partially equipped. And I see a lot of Christians who are partially equipped. And in no way, shape, or form am I trying to condemn people. I'm trying to teach the Word of God. So that all of us, including myself, can be wise unto salvation. That's the desire. Desire is not the finger point. Desire is not to show what's wrong in the sense of, uh, uh, exposing your your wrongness just to, for that for that purpose, but I'm also but if there is something wrong, I'm trying to expose it so that we can bring it to the truth. So that we can we can walk. And in. in other words, if the bridge is down, I want someone to tell me the bridge is down. You're going the wrong direction. You're thinking wrong. Paul told the church in Thessalonians, "I come to supply that which is lacking in your faith." There's a reproof there. And and, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself on a lot of my thoughts right now. But all scripture is thoughtful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for training our discipline in righteousness. Okay? We need all these four things. Let me just highlight these four one more time. Doctrine. What's doctrine? Doctrine is teaching information. It's truth. Everyone has a right to know And to hear the truth. And where is the truth found? It's found in Jesus. It's found in scripture. Doctrine teaches what is true. Reproof. A lot of us don't like this one. But we need reproof. Reproof can also be exchanged with the word rebuke. In other words, reproof reveals what is wrong. It shows us where we are off track. You cannot get wisdom without being reproved. You cannot raise a a functional child, as a parent, without reproof. Everyone needs reproof. Every coach will reprove his athlete. Every teacher will reprove his student. Every boss will reprove his employee. Not to embarrass them, not to humiliate them. But to improve their performance, to improve their character, or whatever, whatever they're trying, they're working on. And as an athlete, sometimes a coach will not just reprove their behaviors in that sport or that event, but also their mindset. If they're thinking they're a failure, if they're thinking impure thoughts or whatever, they're going to reprove that and get that out of their mind. To switch a gear, to switch a focus. That makes sense. If we have a mentor, they're going to mentor what's good and, and sometimes not, they're going to bring reproof to reprove what's wrong. A good parent is not just, if a, if a child is playing in the street, it's not just going to, I don't want to hurt her feelings. Because I don't want to tell her she's playing in the street or she's playing on the train tracks. I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you don't have to hurt their feelings. But you need to reprove them to get them off the street and you need to teach them, and if they keep disobeying you, and they keep disrespecting you, then we need to deal with that. I can go a long ways with a lot of this, but we need reproof in our lives. We need to be quick. I want people, now I don't necessarily want everyone to just be attacking me, but I, there are certain people who God has placed in my life to reprove me. that makes sense? We all need that, and you have people on his team who can reprove him. We all need people who can reprove us. It's healthy. It is unhealthy to have reproof in your life. I'm talking about godly, spiritual, biblical reproof. We all need that. Someone uh, who's not being reproved is not loved. Okay? But not, on, not only do we need reproof, but we also need correction. See, reproof to me is telling you what is wrong, but correction is telling you what is right. I need someone to correct me under the right path. You're going the wrong way, we prove. get on this path. You're doing it wrong. What am I doing wrong? I'm correcting you. See, God never shows you what is wrong without also showing you what is right. Sometimes by showing you what is right, is correct, is all you need to know. You know, sometimes I'm working on a on a computer or, or something, and I'm like, if something's not working, why is it not working? Sometimes I will call someone who's more of a computer geek than I am. Sometimes I will um, uh, Google and try to find out the right answer. Does that make sense? Um, hopefully, I'm making sense with this. The other one I'm going to spend a little more time with, and uh, not so much right now, but hopefully in a few minutes, But it is instruction in righteousness or discipline. Dis- Another way of looking at this, as you say the word out, is chastening, discipline. See, we live in a culture, a society, an age where people don't want discipline. People also don't want wisdom of God, they don't want to walk in the fear of the Lord. We need discipline. The word discipline is very close to the word discipleship. And Jesus told us to go make disciples of all nations, teaching God says, and we're not talking about condemnation, and we're not talking about punishment. See, punishment has to do with your past, but discipline deals with your future. I've learned this in through the years. I don't do it perfectly, and haven't always received it perfectly, but I understand discipline is to help your future. It's a it's to build your character when it's done right, when it's done biblical, when it's done wholesomely. Discipline is a very good thing. I don't want all of discipline. I want some correction. I want some doctrine. I want some... We, we, we need to encourage them. Uh, uh, Some. I don't need someone to nag at me. I'm not talking about nagging. I'm not talking about being scornful. I'm not talking about being negative and being uh, ugly about it. But we all need... Good discipline that makes sense making sense I know there's not so much a <coughs> what does this have to do with <coughs> wisdom <coughs> you know I've appreciated mentors I've appreciated my parents I've appreciated <coughs> my pastors in the past who have done all four of these things they even doctrinated me they reproved me at times they corrected me at times and, and they have and discipline are trained. In me, and and in the context training us in righteousness, the scriptures, and, and when I I'm not talking so much talking about men doing this, although this is true. In context, we're talking about the Word of God. The Word of God makes us wise into salvation. The Word of God will indoctrinate you. The Word of God will reprove you. The Word of God. Will correct you, and the Word of God will train, discipline you in righteousness. And we know the Word of God is Jesus. Jesus will indoctrinate you. Jesus will indoctrinate Paul. Jesus reproved Paul, knocking him off a horse when he was going the wrong direction. He, 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 and sometimes we need to be knocked off our horse in a sense to give us go off the direction we're going. it's, it's healthy. It's out of love. You're going the wrong direction. Paul, you've got the right passion, but you've got the wrong message. And he reproved him. He corrected him. He instructed him in righteousness. And Paul became one of the greatest apostles. We need that. It was love. It was a good thing. And there's been times where the Lord, with all of the grace and mercy that he does, He has given me a good spanking. Because I needed it. We've all needed it. It's love. He didn't do it out of vengeance. He didn't do it out of spite and malice. He didn't do it out of hate and and anger. He did it out of love. But the spanking I needed to get me off. sometimes it was just the way I was thinking. Sometimes it was being negative to myself. Or whatever it might be. And it has always been a spanking, but sometimes it has escalated or come to that point. There are times where I've got my life—it was sometimes for even a noble purpose—but I got my life in a, in a direction I shouldn't be going, because that's not what God called me to do. And He got me back on the course of the purpose of God for my own life. Hopefully, I'm making sense with this, but I'm also trying to get—I'm trying to teach us in the context of wisdom that—and I'm talking about. When I talk about what is wisdom, how do we get it? We need to allow the Word of God to indoctrinate us. To, we need to allow the Word of God to reprove us where we need. and We need the Word of God to correct us and train us in all righteousness. We need God. To, we, if we need to have the right limbs on and receive from God, so God can indoctrinate us. The Word of God, God, Jesus, the Word of God, the message of the cross, can indoctrinate us to reprove us and correct us and train us in all righteousness. We need all four categories in operation with the Word of God to instruct us so that we can become wise unto salvation. That's the goal. So that we become complete and fully equipped for every good work. That's the goal. If the message you are hearing is not equipping you to become complete for every good work, If the the message you are hearing is not to make you wise unto salvation, then I want to say to you, it is not the word of God. It is not the wisdom of God. Amen? God is not going to condemn you for sin, but the word of God is also not going to condemn your sin either. That makes sense? If you are going in the wrong path, if you're thinking the wrong thought, the word of God will not condemn you, but it also won't condemn you. It will reprove it. It will correct it. Not to destroy you, but to bless you. That makes sense? Man in his wisdom will try to punish and try to destroy you. That's See, the wisdom of man, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man will try to destroy you. That is earthly, that is sensual. and that's demonic. But the wisdom of God will bless you. But sometimes, what see, we can live from miracle to miracle by the, by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God. But having to know where we keep making the wrong decisions and we keep thinking wrong, we're going to keep going down the wrong path. And the wisdom of God will get us on the right path so that we can live and walk in divine blessing. That makes sense? And so we need the wisdom of God not to destroy us, but to get us on the right path. That makes sense? Okay. There's some other things I want to talk about about Solomon and stuff. I'm going to come back to that later, and then later on in my message, but I want to move on. Go so with me to Proverbs chapter 3. I'll spend a little more time on that and I wanted to in Timothy, but I just want to make sure I communicate. That's going to be tied into some of the things that we're going to get into in Boom and Aponents. Okay? Proverbs chapter 3, I'm just going to go ahead and start with verse 1. I want to actually get to the latter part of the chapter, but then let me start with verse 1. So I can read quite a bit of context here. Just bear with me. And I'm tie all this in. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life, we'll come back to that last, last part. Verse 2, for the length of days and long life, we'll come back to that. In peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart until so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I want to read that again. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart evil. See, uh, being wise in your own eyes would be not to fear the Lord, it would not would be departed from evil. Okay? That's it's, 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 uh, verse 8. It says, It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. On the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Verses 9 and 10, we talked about a lot when we talk about finances and good stewardship. And verse 11, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, or chastises, or disciplines, just as the Father, the Son, and of whom he delights. Verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. And she is more precious than rubies and all the things you desire cannot compare with her verse 16 length of days is in her right hand and her left hand riches in honor her ways are pleas- ways of pleasantness her ways are let me read that again verse 17 her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. she is a tree of life to those who take hold of. And happy are all who, this is the phrase I'm looking at, retainer. All who retain her. We're going to get there into the retaining part in just a moment. Okay. In the last couple of lessons, we have talked about in James, we've talked a lot about eight characteristics of the wisdom of God. I just went through, I kind of went through a fast, but we kind of went through 2 Timothy 3 about four, car- four categories of wisdom. The whole context of Proverbs, especially here in chapter 3, he's talking about wisdom. He says in verse 13, happy is a person who finds wisdom. He says in verse 14, wisdom is more profitable than wealth and riches. In verse 15, he says nothing that we desire compares with her, compares with wisdom. In verse 16, he says that wisdom has two hands. In the right hand are wealth, and in the left hand is long life. Verse 17 says that she, wisdom, will guide you down delightful paths. And all of, her way, all of her ways are satisfaction and pleasantness. And in verse 18 she says, she, wisdom, is a tree of life. And happy are those who hold her tightly. There's a lot here. I don't have time to go through all of this. But I want to focus real quickly though. I want to focus on this and come back to some more things. Verse 18, it says, She is a tree of life in those who hold her. Okay? She is a tree of life. Where do we first hear about the tree of life? In the garden. The garden of Eden. We talked in the last couple of weeks about those two trees, the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. We talked about this last week, how both trees have a form of wisdom. We talked last week how even the true knowledge of the tree of good and evil can make you wise in your own eyes. We just read in verse 7 of this verse of this chapter, Proverbs 3, that the, the, the writer Solomon exhorts us not to be wise in our own eyes. That's the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But well, wisdom is a tree of life and those who take hold of her, are happy are those who retain her. Real quickly, when I look at three verses, I am going to come back to Proverbs chapter 3. But, James chapter 3, we were looking at this just a few weeks ago. James chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 18. And I'm focusing on this tree of life real quick, okay? Actually, I'm going to look at verse 17 to 18. And it says, but the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that is from where? Above. So, three weeks ago, we talked about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. There are two kinds of wisdom. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, and peaceful, gentle will to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. We talked about that nine, two weeks ago. Verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness, and he's talking about the wisdom of God, is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Go with me real quickly to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me just bring it out there, and then we're gonna come tie this together. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna pick it up in verse, excuse me, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 12. A lot of us know this, but but Saul, and talking about discipline. He's talking about uh, a father disciplines the one he loves. Where did we just hear that? We heard that in Proverbs chapter 3 that my son don't despise the chastening of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is quoting from Proverbs chapter three that we just read. In Proverbs chapter three, he talks about the tree of life, and in, in uh, Proverbs chapter three, he talks about discipline. He talks about not being wise in your own eyes. Where is he quoting from? He's writing to the Hebrews, and he's quoting from Proverbs chapter three that we just read. But in verse and again, I don't have time to read the whole context, but I'm going to think of verse eleven. It says, "Now no chasing." Seems to be joyful when the present is present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Where did we just read that? James chapter 3. To those who have been trained by it. When we are trained by the chastening of the Lord, when we are trained by the wisdom that is from above, it will, be, it will yield the peace. That makes sense? The wisdom that is not from above will lead to envy, strife, and every evil thing. But wisdom that's from above, it will chasten us at times if we need it, but it will always yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That would, James talks about that. The writer of Hebrews talks about that. Proverbs, Solomon talks about that. And it, but it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If we are not trained by it, it will not yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We have a part to play. In other words, we need to receive it. How many of you, if you discipline a child but they don't receive it, they don't benefit from that chastening? I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I'm talking about the wisdom that's from above, the mercy that's from above, that will chasten us. Am I making sense? Okay? There will be one more scripture Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs eleven, verse thirty. It says, "The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise." I'm just t- i trying to tie this all into a, uh, a connected box to this, and I've spoken on this many t- many times in times past. But the fruit of righteousness. How many of you know I talk this a lot in this church? that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. All scripture is thoughtful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. The fruit of that righteousness, the fruit of being trained in righteousness, is a tree of life. Tree of life is in the Garden of Eden. It is the tree. It, in other words, uh, Andrew brings us out in his commentary, the fruit of righteousness is the tree. It's the same tree. Yeah, Adam and Eve took before the fall. It's a tree for the tree of righteousness. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter three. this making sense? Proverbs chapter three. Uh, we're gonna where do I want to pick it up? We'll just pick it back up verse eighteen. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Okay. Hopefully you made sense of that. I don't, I, I don't want to spend more time on that. But point I want I'm trying to point of make is when we allow the wisdom of God to chasten us, and I'm going to be talking about the fear of the Lord in just a moment, don't despise the chasing of the Lord. It will yield the fruit of righteousness. God is not here to destroy us. He did that to Jesus. We're not talking about condemnation. He did that. He's talking about child. And really, if you study the word chastening now in a, in a in a Greek, it's child training. You don't. You're not here to destroy the child. You're here to teach them. You're here to equip them. You're here to disciple them. That makes sense. The goal is to experience the tree of life that we lost through the fall. But Christ, the message of the cross, the wisdom of God, is that we have been reconciled back to God so that we can partake of the tree of life. But how many know if we can partake of the tree of life because we are the righteous God of Christ Jesus? But if we toil with sin, if we go down the wrong path, if we have the wrong mindset, it's not that the tree of life is not available to us, That we are making our lives a mess. So that we are confused and we can't find our way back to the straight line. So many people who are even in Christ have made such a mess of their lives, not appropriating the wisdom of God. And sometimes it's not even your doing. Sometimes they're just a mess because of different things going on. And the days of longness, the days are evil. There's many imposters. There's, there's a lot of deception out there, and we need the wisdom of God so that the, the tree of life can be like a lighthouse in the midst of the storm. That makes sense. We need to find the way to the tree of life, and we're not going to find it through man's wisdom. We're not going to. There's going to be a lot of deception. There's, be, there's times where life. There's a lot of chaos. And we need the wisdom of God to, re, to train us, to indoctrinate us, to reprove us, to chastise us, so that we are not wise in our own eyes, but we know the way to the Lord. And we, why? Because we've been trained by it. A cop knows how to do things because he's been trained by it. Uh, uh, an army, a soldier, knows how to, to, to handle the, the chaos of war because he's been trained. An athlete knows how to deal with all the chaos and the pressure of that moment because he's been trained. Someone who's been trained has been trained. And they've been trained with discipline, so they can know how to, they know the right answer. They know the right solution, and they can think intelligently because they've been trained intelligently to think it. it you don't train someone in the battlefield. Yes, they're on the job training, but there's a thing that they do to. to, to To academy, to boot camp. And then they to train a soldier, to train someone so that when they're out there in the battlefield, they know how to think. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about chastening. We know how to seek the Lord. David was trained to fear the Lord. And so that when the lion and the bear came, he knew how to handle it. He he was trained by the Lord, so that when Goliath came, he knew how to deal with it. Not in man's wisdom man's wisdom and we're, we're not talking we're talking about the fear of the Lord we're not talking about the fear of man we're not talking about natural fear we're talking about the fear of the Lord we're going to come into that in just a few moments but I'm, we're trying to teach us wisdom so when the when the Goliath come into our life we know how to handle a Goliath we know how to handle a Pharaoh like Moses we know how to handle different battles like we're going to see with Abraham we're going to know how to handle different things like Noah and Daniel and Joseph because we've been trained in the field of the Lord. We've been trained in the wisdom of God. Am I making sense? Okay. Now I want you to notice something. In Proverbs chapter 3, and you'll see this throughout the book of Proverbs, especially in the first few chapters, but I think the first time we see it, is, uh, least in least this chapter, is verse 14. But it's talking about the wisdom of God, it's talking about wisdom. And the writer Solomon uses a very particular pronoun. When he talks about wisdom, he, he calls it a her, Her proceeds. And her gain divine gold. She is more precious than uh, verse 16. Lay the days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Verse 17. Her ways are pleasant, and all her, her paths are peace. Verse 18. She is a tree of life. We're going to take hold of her, and happy are those who retain her. Have you noticed, in the book of Proverbs especially, especially in this chapter, that wisdom is referred to as a heart? A she. I don't know about you, but that has always intrigued me through the years. Why is it a her? Why is it a she? Who is she? You know, you know we understand God. <coughs> we usually refer to him in the masculine pronoun as a he. But how many of you know that God created man in his image? And it says in Genesis 1, 27, male and female he created man. I don't have time to teach all of this right now. But mankind, man, is male and female. And man was made in his image. God is not man, and God is not a woman. But there is a feminine side to God. I don't have time to explain all that. I don't even know if I understand all that. But wisdom is in the form of a. But, but, but Male or female, her or whatnot. Understand one thing: that Solomon is referring to wisdom as a person, not an it. It's a person, okay? And it says in Proverbs chapter three, verse eighteen: are "Happy are those who retain her." See, like a good woman. And I'm talking to men. Wisdom cannot be taken for granted. As, good, as a good husband, or a good man, we must value her. We must honor her. And in the right context, we must pursue her. I'm talking about a husband pursuing a wife in the right proper context. I have to qualify that for some weird-mindedness out there. But what I'm talking about is she, wisdom, is relational. Okay? If you're gonna operate in the in wisdom, you have to see that wisdom is about having a relationship with God. I want to say that again. If you're going to operate in wisdom, you must understand that wisdom is about having a relationship with God. Wisdom is found in God. And wisdom demands a relationship with God. That's key. In order to retain wisdom, you must obtain and maintain a relationship with God. We must embrace Him. We must value Him. We must yield to Him. We must pursue Him. We've also talked about how wisdom is the Word of God. We must embrace the Word of God. We must value the Word of God. We must have a relationship with the Word of God. We must pursue the Word of God. We have talked about how wisdom is Jesus, the message of the cross. We must embrace the message of the cross. We must yield to the message of the cross. We must value the message of the cross. We must embrace Jesus. We must yield to Jesus. It says, I forget which verse, we must hold on to her. I forget which verse, it is, but we must hold on to her tightly. We must embrace her. We, I am talk about wisdom and I've already built on the premise that the wisdom is the word of God, the message of God, Christ, the message of the cross, Jesus Christ. We must embrace him. I understand in Solomon's writings he's referring to the feminine side, but that just explains one way how we can see that during the feminine side of God. I don't understand all that because he's a very indescribable God. But I believe God describes himself in a way that we can per- we can comprehend. Even though sometimes even that is beyond our comprehension. I think, thinking of that one song, and God is an indescribable God. He's beyond comprehension. Hopefully I'm making sense so far. See, even in this church, I have talked a lot about the kingdom of God. See, while wisdom involves many principles, spiritual laws, And concepts that are very important. Pure Christianity is not mechanical. It's relational. That's the main point I'm making right now. Pure Christianity is not mechanical. It is relational. We cannot cooperate with the laws of God's kingdom if we are just mechanical and not relational. It will not work. The Kingdom of God, and we talked a lot about that here, that was our last series, operates with laws that are reliable and they are constant. They work and they work every single time. But if we try to operate within the Kingdom of God, and based on the, the Kingdom of God's principles and laws, independent of a relationship with God it will not work I want to try to say that again if we try to operate the kingdom of God principles and laws and concepts and precepts independent of a relationship with God it will not work that does not disregard the kingdom of God principles and laws Precepts, but it will not work absent of a relationship with God. That makes sense? See, wisdom is a her. You need to pursue a relationship with her in the same way that you need to pursue a relationship with God. See, wisdom is not just a one night stand, it's a marriage. So many people will come to God in the the heat of the moment when they need an answer, but they don't want a relationship. Some people, some immature people, want the thrills of a marriage or the status of a marriage, such as intimacy and other things, but they don't want the responsibilities of a marriage. As a husband or as a wife, they don't want the responsibilities of a relationship. Some people want the thrills of a relationship, like a one night stand, a pop in once in a while, but they don't want the responsibilities of a relationship. That makes sense? So, though some can understand that, some can't, because some, they don't even think that way. But there are some people, they they do not want the responsibilities of a relationship. We, we pastored some marriages, we pastored some relationships. And sometimes one spouse or sometimes both spouses don't want to commit. They only want to commit on their terms. And uh, uh, anyway, I don't have time to go through all that right now. But same thing with God. Some people want healing. But they don't want a relationship with the healer. Some people want provision. But they don't want the responsibilities of a relationship with the provider. Some people want salvation, but they don't want the responsibilities of a relationship with the Savior. And some of you are thinking right now, but Dave, you're talking about performance. In the same way we receive Christ, we walk in Him. Being rooted, I'm talking about a relationship. We have received this relationship by grace. But we need to embrace that relationship if it's going to The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. If you are not thinking right in this relationship, it won't work. If you are not appropriating his grace by faith, it will not work. You have the grace, but it won't become effectual until you put faith in that grace. It won't work. Try try, turning on the car with that gasoline. It won't work. It might have all the horsepower you need. It might can do everything you want to do. But if you don't have gasoline or you don't have the key or you don't have oil or you don't have some of the other components, it won't work. You have to have all the components. In Christ, in the sea, we have the components, but it operates by faith. We have to have the turnkey. We can't have electricity in this house, but if no one gave us the decency of putting a switch so we can turn it on and off, we could have, let your all wired in this house. But if it's not connected to a, a, a switch so we can turn it on and off, it won't work. It's here. The power is here. The power is in us. But we need the wisdom of God. We need the fear of the Lord. We need the wisdom of God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need the wisdom of God, the word of God. We need an embracer so it works. The wisdom is found in God. And if the wisdom is found in God, then we should do what he says. And how are you going to know what he says if you will not spend time with him and his word? Does that make sense? It takes discipline in any relationship. A relationship where you think it's all about you is not a relationship. It's selfishness. You cannot have a relationship with anybody whether there's a friend, parent, a child, or God without you putting something into it. It's just how the world works, folks. It's just how it works. It's not about favoritism. It's not about your rights or your reality. If you want to have a relationship with something, you need to put something into it. In a, in a beautiful marriage, a beautiful relationship, a beautiful friendship is when both parties are selfless. And we already know God is selfless. But he will not force himself on anyone. If you don't trust him, if you don't have a relationship with him, he will want to love you. He wants to bless your socks off. He wants to heal you. He wants to be your all and all. He wants to bless your life. Uh, I can't even know how to pronounce the word I want to use. But he wants to bless your life with abundance. But if you don't trust him, if you won't listen to him, if you won't have a relationship to, to him, he can't tell you how it works. Is't that because he's holding back, you won't listen. You won't turn the switch on. You won't open your heart. The seed, as I was talking about this in the last series, the parable of the soil, the seed fell on all kinds of soil. The wayside, the stony seed, the stony ground, the thorny ground, the good ground. All of them heard the word, but only one understood it. Wisdom is applying what we understand, wisdom is applying the knowledge and understanding we have. Just like we talked about that one definition uh, last couple of weeks. Wisdom is applying what we know. We can know God, but if we don't apply the God that we know, that is not wisdom. And it takes discipline, it takes the Word of God, it takes a relationship with God, because it's He who works in us, not us. When Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. But if I'm the one calling the shots, and I don't have a relationship with him. God's not working in me. Even though he wants to. Does that make sense? God's not punishing us. We're refraining ourselves. We have not embraced her. We have not pursued her. We're being wise in our own, un- own understanding. In our own eyes. And he disciplines us as a son. Because he wants to bless us. And he wants to operate. He wants to... I mean, he says, go back to verse 13. Happy is the man who finds her, who finds God, who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. You want riches? It's found in her. i we going to go to verse uh, 16. The length of days in her right hand and riches are in her left hand. You want a long life and you want a rich life? It's in her. You want to be blessed? God wants to bless you. But you must get into the word of God. You must be disciplined by him. You must be discipled by him. Because I can tie all those four categories that I just talked about Timothy into the word called discipleship. If you will be discipled by him, you, life, will be blessed. Because it's no longer you, but it's he who's working in you. But if you won't embrace her, if you won't listen to if, you want, if you're going to do it in your own understanding, in your own wisdom, in your own reality, it won't work. The kingdom of God is here. But if you won't embrace it, the kingdom of God is within you. But if you won't embrace it, it won't work. And the kingdom of God, true Christianity at its core, is all about a relationship with God. The, yes, wisdom is the message... The message of the cross is wisdom. And yes, Jesus is wisdom. Because the whole message of the cross, the whole purpose of Jesus is to reconcile this relationship. Man was separated from God. Operating this earth and operating this life outside of a relationship. But the first thing God did was we established this relationship so that God in us can work supernaturally the wisdom and the power of God. And if you are operating outside of a relationship that God restored, then you are operating outside of the message of the gospel of Christ, which is the wisdom and the power of God. We don't have this message of the gospel just so it's a good, it feels good. We have this message of the gospel so that our eyes can be opened, that we can know and be understanding who we are in Christ, that a Christ in us can operate. That's the wisdom of The wisdom of God is not just a knowledge of the finished work. The the wisdom of God is just not a knowledge of the grace of God. The wisdom of God is allowing the grace of God to take operation in our lives. We're applying that knowledge. That making sense? Go with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2 does grace and peace be multiplied to you in what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our, Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Knowledge, the knowledge of him has given us the wisdom. Through the knowledge of him we have been made aware that we have received all things that pertain to life godliness. Grace and peace will be multiplied to us in the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4. By which by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. There are a lot of promises of God and these precious promises are in us, are given to us. But if we don't know it, and if we won't receive it, and if we won't be disciplined enough to receive it, then it will not operate in us. That make sense? If you understand everything I've been trying to teach the last four weeks, and I can't teach four weeks in five minutes, <coughs> each message build on itself. But if you will allow be disciplined and, and, and receive his, his nature <coughs> excuse me and, and receive his wisdom we, see we can't operate wisdom without the knowledge of God but just the knowledge of God in itself is not wisdom <coughs> we need the knowledge of God but then we need to apply that knowledge and when we apply that knowledge those promises become operational. That makes sense? That's wisdom. <coughs> See, I talked about last week about how wisdom is crying out in the streets. Wisdom is the message of the cross. Wisdom is Jesus. Wisdom is the word of God. And the message of the cross is crying out in the streets. That we have been reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. (coughs) We have been reconciled to a right relationship with him. See, once again, wisdom is a proper application of that knowledge. Wisdom involves understanding, discernment, and discretion. We're going to get into some of that. See, the parable of the sower. Only the seed that heard the word and understood it produced a hundred, sixty, and thirty-four. We need to be discipled. And there's a lot of people in the church that heard the word of God. And they got excited. That's the, that's the seed that fell on the, on, the, on the stony ground. Did we see them with joy? That's good. i You know, I don't want people to receive the word God and not have joy. Third job, verse 4 says, it's my joy that you are walking in the truth. But, my heart and my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the the ministry, to equip you to indoctrinate, reprove, and correct and instruct and righteous, so that you might be through, complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work my job is to disciple you to help you understand the word of God so that you can operate it's my job to not only hear the word of God but also understand it to be taught to be pastored, to listen and I'm studying all the time myself am I making sense? The, a knowledge of God, a relationship with God, the application of that knowledge, is found in a relationship with God. And how apply to apply that knowledge is found in a relationship with God. Knowledge without understanding and wisdom is just... How do you know that knowledge can puff up? And knowledge without understanding... Knowledge without application is selfishness, and it will be destructive. If all you have is knowledge, you don't have any understanding or wisdom, that knowledge can bump you up, and it will destroy. Making sense? Let's switch gears over here. not getting as far as I want to. Oh, wow, 1225, I'm basically out of time. Let me close with this, though. Hebrews chapter 5. We'll pick up next week. Spare a lot more time on some of that than I wanted to. Hebrews chapter 5. And okay, we'll pick up verse 10. And okay, we'll conclude with this, this this morning. Verse 10. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We'll come back to that. Of whom we ha- have much to say and have hard to explain, since you have been come to a hearing. Well, through by, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, of those who, are, by reason views have it says exercise to discern both good and evil. I don't have time to develop this, as, like I'd like to. In my teaching on uh, fi- uh, financial stewardship uh, that I had uh, earlier last year, I talked a lot from the first part of Hebrews chapter 5, where the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus is high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's a high priest of a new covenant. I don't have time to go and do all that right now. I don't necessarily want to. But that's the context. Okay? But then he's he's switching gears here. In verse 11, he says, Of whom, he says, I have much to say to you. But you are, and and, and it's hard to explain since you are dull of hearing. You know, as a pastor, teacher, and sometimes even some of you, you get in conversations with people. But when people who are dull of hearing, it's hard to have explain things, especially the deep things of God, especially the other things. See, people, and, and he also he's basically saying you won't listen, and it's hard to teach to those who won't listen, those who refuse to have a relationship with God, or those who are basically saying I don't want to listen. There's some of things. There's more to a relationship than listening. But how many of you know? In any relationship, if you won't listen, you will not have a relationship. And there's a lot of, we, we've had people in our lives we are willing to listen, we're willing to be wrong, but they won't listen. And they're the ones that refuse to have a relationship. And so, I'm not going to go into a lot, lot, lot of detail with that. But we need to hear and process and understand what we are hearing. Um, I I that was in my notes. I just read something. I don't know to about that. But verse 12 says, By now, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need to but you need someone to teach you again the first principles. The New Living Translation says that, that they need to be taught the basic things of God, which is righteousness. i taught them this a lot in times past, I'm going a little fast. But righteousness, the, the teaching of righteousness is the basic teachings of God. It's the first principles, it's the basic things. And people, we have had people in our lives, we have had people in, uh, outside of this church who have challenged the word that we preach. Um, we've had people challenge us with their reality, with their philosophies, with the word of God that we preach. In other words, people have challenged us, the word of God that we preach, our um, righteousness, our love in the body of Christ, and different things with their reality, with their wisdom, with the wisdom of men. I don't have to, I feel like I'm getting a little choppy here, but how hey, do you know, an infant, a child, doesn't instantly, automatically know what to do, every day, how to do things right. I mean, you know, a child must be trained to what is right and what is wrong. A child doesn't automatically know it oh, is. Hopefully okay, I'm saying it's right. There's many, even, I'm, talk, I'm used, because the writer's talking about a babe, a child. But I'll, and he's talking about spiritual immaturity, and this is a whole. This could be a whole series on itself, talking about being mature in Christ. There are a, a lot of things here I, I don't have time to develop because I'm basically out of time. But let me just let me just say this: an immature Christian doesn't always know what is right. I understand there's a tune of knowledge. and I understand there's some, some common sense. But how many of you know there are a lot of voices, and there are a lot of schools of velocity in our world. Just go on social media, just go to the news, and there's a lot of people A lot of people have been raised today, and had a lot of different backgrounds. But unless you have a relationship, Unless you have been taught by the wisdom of God, you cannot discern between what is good and what is evil, what is God, what is the devil, and you cannot discern this. Remember, the wisdom of man, natural wisdom, is wisdom. But it's not the wisdom of God. And it will be a pure wisdom. There is common sense in a sense of a natural common sense. that makes sense? And everyone has that, in a sense. A lot of that has been washed, even a lot of that has been watered down. Um, and, and, but at, at some point in time, how even know if it's not the wisdom of God, there's only another kind of wisdom. And it's earthly, it's natural, it's sensual, and it's demonic. Okay? It's from Adam's dead seed. It's not the seed of Christ. It's a a corruptible, there's corruption in it. It's not the incorruptible seed of Christ. Someone who's not living or functioning or making wrong decisions, it to me is, in that instance, in those situations, is operating as an immature Christian. I am not put, when you tell someone they're an immature Christian, they don't take that well. No one would about That's why this can be very sensitive. I am not condemning, I'm not mocking. But if it's not the wisdom from above that is pure, pure peaceful, gentle, full of, uh, and then James talks about eight characteristics. And if it's not functioning as a tree of life, it's not functioning as a tree of ra- the, the fruit of righteousness and peace, then it's, it's a sign of an fish. But the only way you can become a mature Christian is you have to be trained by the Word of God. You have to have a relationship mm-hmm. with God. And I'm not saying that has to take a long, many years. Paul spent three and a half years in Damascus getting trained. The disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus. They were unlearned men, but they became very mature Christians. Um, Excuse me, one second. I know I'm kind of ending this kind of rough right now, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age, and those who, have by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Again, I, I, I don't have time to develop this. I feel like I'm kind of rough. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm looking at my notes, and I'm trying to narrow this down to something I can give in five minutes. I probably already used my five minutes. I'm going to probably come back to some of this next week. But, <clears> there's just too much I can developed. develop at this. I'm trying to squeeze all this into my minutes. So let me just close with this. Sorry, this last couple minutes have been a little choppy. We need the wisdom of God to become mature and make mature decisions. We're going to see that. I know my own life, if I'm going to point the finger, I'm going to point the finger at me. I know there have been times in my walk I have made immature choices. I have acted immaturely, even as a Christian. But I know that, I also know that in my relationship with God, by spending time with Him, time in His Word, God has matured me. And my decisions have become more mature. I'm not saying I'm the sharpest knife for the drawer, the, the butter's crammed in the cram box, but I do know that the, wisdom, the Word of God has wised me up. And one of the basic things that God has wised me up on is righteousness. That's the foundation. And because I've become schooled on that, because I've been trained and disciplined on that, I can build. But it's hard to teach anybody other things if they don't first understand righteousness. That's why I've spent so much time teaching this. And sometimes even things I'm trying to teach now, it's hard to comprehend because if we don't understand righteousness. Because that's the foundation. And There's so many people, we all do this because I'm, and this is what James talks about, being double-minded. In our spirit, when we have the mind of Christ, we hear one message, or one response. But in our natural senses, our natural emotions, we have another response. And it takes the word of God, it takes a relationship with God to discern which one responds. Because I know sometimes what my flesh wants to do. But what my flesh wants to do is not always, it's it's not from God. That make sense? Now I can't discern it, but wisdom will tell me which one one am I going to operate. Which one is going to have dominion in my life. Which one am I going to yield to. Which one am I going to embrace. Which one am I going to hold on to tightly. As we just read in Proverbs chapter 3. There's always going to be two strings, the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God trying to flow into us. And we have to discern, and we have to be trained by the Word of God to know that we can submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. I want to become a mature Christian. And and another thing I don't have time to teach all this, like I said, this can become a whole new new session of itself. Paul talks about maturity in Ephesians chapter 4. And one of the maturity, he's talking about in a five-fold ministry, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry that we can come to the stature and the fullness of Christ. And in the same sentence, that's five, sentence, five verses long, Paul says how we treat one another and how we love one another shows us that we're a mature Christian. And I see a lot of immaturity in the body of Christ. And I that we don't know who we are with God if this relationship is, out of, is not where it should be then these relationships are not going to be where they should be because if he's the source and if we're not feeding from the source then the source is not ministering horizontally that making sense? and I hope he is. But just, uh, we have the seed of Christ but if we don't water that seed if we don't fertilize that seed that seed can't become mature and it can't produce it's in us we already got it, but we are operating from an inner seat, uh, from natural men, and we need the Word of God to distinguish that, so we can discern that, and sometimes I, and sometimes, and sometimes it's not because I don't discern it, so sometimes my flesh is just rebellious, it's like, you know what, I know what do is right, and I'm not, that's another topic, <laughs> that's called rebellion, and the Bible calls rebellion witchcraft, and so, uh, that's all, and again, yeah, I'm not here to to condemn, but you can see how the word of God also will reprove. It will reprove wrong thinking. That's the word of God doing that. That's the wisdom of God teaching us that. And we have a choice to, Are we gonna respond to the word of God, or are we gonna respond to the flesh? Walk in the spirit and he won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Uh probably making sense I don't know we I'm going over we'll pick up this next week. Uh, but uh, uh the wisdom of God is of her we need to embrace her that so we can have a lot of life and riches and we can be blessed and be blessed. Lord, we worship you. I know I said a lot of different things, you deep things. I didn't get as far as I wanted to. But Lord, I, I've said a lot. But Lord, I, I, I feel like in some parts of it's choppy. Some of it was just deep. We need to chew on it. Lord, help us to chew on these things. Help us to digest these things that we can be men and women who will walk in the wisdom of God that we can be a blessing to those you know, who are around us and you have a place in our lives. We worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We thank you for the message of the cross. We thank you for the wisdom of God because you said all the wisdom and knowledge is a treasure that's in you, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. We thank you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight or next week. Un